Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you're there. Psalm 107, verse 2. This is what it says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So you ready? One, two, three, so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It is time for Christians to act like Christians. It is time for us to say, yes, I am there. I trust my God. My faith is anchored. Listen, we knew that at some point we would be in a battle like this. There's a time where the church has to stand. I am watching. I'm watching stories and getting emails from Christian brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. I won't mention the countries for their protection. But in the middle of this, where they could be arrested or just killed. They're on the streets sharing the gospel. They're using every means possible to get the message of Jesus out. So what do I need you to do? I need you to to gather people together, have parties together online, forward these messages, send out these services, because Matthew 24 says the gospel, the good news about Jesus is going to go to the whole world Then Jesus is going to return. Maybe this is part of how we're going to get that done. Now, I do have good news. I've got my Cardinal hat on today uh, because so far the St. Louis Cardinals are undefeated. And we celebrate that. And more importantly, the Cubs have not won a game. That is correct. Now, I will tell you some sad news. I, um, I was at uh, Publix, and a guy, apparently they've been arresting a lot of people. Uh, they seem to think the police no longer exist. And so a guy was stealing a bunch of food, and it's all playing out. The guy comes and drops a bag right in front of my truck. The police, anyway, they, uh, they, they take it pretty seriously. But I also heard that over at Walmart, uh, a guy was stealing from the game section, and they gave him life. Oh, come on, that's good. That's good. Well, all right. Uh, Listen, I do have two things I want to say before we dig into the text. Number one, thank you for your support. Listen, Tomoka Christian Church and I need your support. For us to continue to do, listen, we've not missed a a payment uh, to our staff. We've not missed a building payment. We've not missed an electric bill. We've not missed a support check to our missionaries. But I will tell you that the support is so needed. Uh, And you can go on our website. You can text to give. You can email it in. You can mail it in. uh, Drop it by during the week. Stick it in the mailbox. There's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, But Not only are missionaries still doing their work, but they're doing what we're doing. They're out trying to feed people. And we've got food banks running uh, almost every day in Ormond, Pearson, uh, Fort Lauderdale, DeLand, um, De Leon Springs. So your help right now is absolutely essential. So I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep it up. Also, if you'll go to our website, A lot of you are kind of floundering right now, and we don't want you to flounder. So this is a great time to join a small group. And who'd have thought that joining a small group online would be the way to do it? But again, if you'll go to our website, communications, uh, nobody's meant to handle this kind of stuff by themselves. And so we've got groups forming right now. We've got leaders already in place that are going to lead virtual groups. And you'd say, well, I'm not even sure I know how to do all that technology. They will teach you. All right, because we want you to be connected to Jesus, to the Bible, but also to each other for that support. So we're going to dig in today to Luke 22 as we continue on in our Let's series. We're going to look at, at the first 
six verses. And it seems almost impossible what we're talking about here today. The question I'm asking is, is let's consider the price. What price would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? Because last week, we're all on a high. It's Easter. Everybody's watching. Everybody's engaged. But it's amazing how quickly every year... We lose our passion. We lose our excitement. And this story kind of takes us back through that process of what can happen to people. It's like the man that got interviewed and they said, hey, would you kill someone for $10 million? And the guy stood there a minute and he said, yeah, I think I would. He said, would you kill a man for a dollar? And he said, no, what kind of a guy do you think I am? And he said, oh, the first question told me what kind of a person you are. The second question was just trying to determine your price. And sadly, a lot of Christians sell out. They sell out when times get tough or when there's struggles that we're facing. And in, in Luke 22, it is almost hard to fathom the story here, and every sentence is loaded. So we're going to do our very best to unpack that. So still, you know what? You can show respect. You can take communion at home. You can also show respect, and you can stand at home for the Word of God. If you're driving, please do not try to stand up. Uh, but here's here we go. Luke chapter 22. So now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money, the price of a slave, by the way, 30 pieces of silver. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Wow. Get rid of Jesus. Let's look at that first sentence. Who would want to get rid of Jesus? Can, I, can we just unpack this a little bit? Who would want to get rid of Jesus? Let's see. He's brought hope to people. He's bringing forgiveness to people. He's, he, he's healed people who had blind eyes. He's brought children back from the dead. He brought Lazarus back from the dead. He's miraculously fed thousands of people. He's got teaching about love and forgiveness and hope. And the sentence says they got together to figure out how to get rid of Jesus. Now, I don't know. I hope that you never have that sentence. But I wonder sometimes if it doesn't happen subconsciously. <clears throat> How can I get rid of Jesus? Because Jesus kind of messes me up. I mean, if I'm following Jesus, it's awful hard to keep being drunk or being involved with my pornography or having that affair that I'm having or blocking me from something else that you know you shouldn't be doing. In fact, I, I, love, I love how one, one writer said it, Francis Chan. He said, when I read the Bible, this is always my thought. He said, when I find something in the Bible that I disagree with, I just assume that I'm wrong. Now, that got me. 
Because I don't know, I know the world doesn't think that way, but I don't think a lot of Christians think that way. I'm not sure we still see the Bible as the, as the Word of God and the power of God. And God's Word is the authority. I, I'm not the authority. But they're plotting for a way to kill Jesus. Now, we're not, we're not done yet. It says it was right before the Passover. Now, let me help you understand. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Jesus says, or Paul says of Jesus that he is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. That night, when, when the death angel went through all of Egypt and all the firstborn died except for where the blood was over the door, and that they were to remember for all time, and Jewish people to this day still remember and still celebrate that. That night, when the blood was over their doors, my friends, that blood was Jesus' representation protecting the people. We see the fulfillment now in the New Testament that Jesus' blood is what causes death to pass over us because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are never going to die. Oh, physically, this body will die, but we're going to live forever in the presence of God. That's the hope and the promise this scripture gives us. Now, if you've not accepted Jesus, and I know there's probably more non-believers or maybe non-committed people watching right now than ever before, I want you to know that Jesus, here's the gospel, Jesus was God in the flesh. He came, he lived a sinless life, they crucified him, he died for our sins, not his, for our sin is missing the mark. Anything we do that's outside of God's word, that's a lot. And Jesus died for all of us. Well, what do I do? I accept Jesus. Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. Then we will, you, you hit that click button. I've decided that we'll get with you. We'll talk to you about repentance. We'll talk to you about baptism. We'll talk to you about following Jesus. We will help you get through those steps. But it scares me to think that on the eve of Passover, the very story that Jesus embodied and the very story that Jesus came to complete. Are you kidding me? On that day, they said, we got to get rid of this Jesus. And it was the high priest. Now, think about this, will you? This is the spiritual leader of all of Israel, the high priest. His job is to represent God to the people and to take the people's needs to God. And it is the high priest who says, we've got to kill Jesus. He must have missed Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, where the Ten Commandments are given. He must have missed that thing about do not kill. Here's what you don't know. You see, the high priest had to come from the line of Aaron, Moses' brother. Aaron was set up as the first high priest. And so any high priest in Israel had to come from Aaron's line. But by this time, during Jesus' time, are you ready for this? This is going to just shock you to death. Are you ready? It had all become political. It wasn't spiritual. It was all somebody knew somebody who appointed somebody, and it was about power, and it was about position, and it was about money, and it was about controlling people. I mean, who could fathom a story like that, right? 
So here is the spiritual leader saying to the creator of the universe, we've got to find a way to kill him. That's where it starts. The book of Ephesians says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. There's the story. There's the transformation. I'm not trying to get rid of Jesus. I need more of Jesus to change me and to transform me. And then it says Satan shows up and enters Judas. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that, man, i got to be careful. I might be just having a cup of coffee and, and Satan will come and take over. That's not how it happens. Judas was open to Satan. He was open to this process. Now, There's a lot of discussion. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Some think he was trying to force Jesus to be the Messiah. He was trying to force him to conquer the Romans right there and then. Maybe even conquer those Jewish guys. Maybe he had a decent motive. But he didn't think through the story very well. And Satan enters Judas. And he begins to figure out, how can I betray Jesus? One of the twelve. The inside guy, the guy that Jesus trusted so much. Now, Jesus knows how this story is going to end. Judas was trusted by Jesus to take care of all the money. And yet, he's the one that's going to betray him. Now, time will not allow us to go into all of this, but I'm going to give you scripture to read. Isaiah chapter 14 talks about Satan. And when Satan rebelled in heaven and God threw Satan out of heaven, threw him down here to earth, Ezekiel 28 goes into more detail. Satan was the, his name was Lucifer. Uh, He was an archangel. He was in charge of worship. His body was a musical instrument. He played all the music and he was able to sing. And he decided that he was going to overthrow God. And before the story's over, God takes Lucifer and a third of the angels and throws them out of heaven. And that is the demonic world. Now, sadly, we live in a world that doesn't believe in angels and demons. But the same people believe in aliens, that aliens built the pyramids. And it's a little crazy. But let me assure you, there is a spiritual world. There is a world that transforms this physical one. And that's the one where our hope is set in. But here's what Jesus said about Lucifer. He's called Satan, Diablo, Diablos, if you want to speak Spanish. He's called the accuser, the deceiver. But Jesus said in John 8 that Jesus, it's Jesus, that Satan is a liar, a murderer, and a thief, and he comes to seek and to destroy. So why would you ever give Satan that foothold? One group decided we got to get rid of Jesus. One guy's trying to manipulate the situation and as a result of that opens himself up to Satan. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can open yourself up to Satan in a lot of ways. You can get yourself in trouble with some of the physical things we've talked about. But you can also get yourself in trouble through gossip, you, by what you're looking at, by what you're talking about, uh, by by criticizing what, what you're church is doing your pastor's doing you know and listen you've heard me say it before if it's if there's something not biblical you confront it if if they don't change you need to go to somewhere else but 
sitting around and being Satan's helper when people say, well, I've got to be, I've got to be the, the devil's advocate here. Let me help you. The devil does not need an advocate. He got plenty of them. All right? So some of them were trying to figure out how to get rid of Jesus. Are you kidding me? The Passover lamb, the one who has delivered Israel and now ultimately is going to deliver all of us. And then they begin to listen to Satan. And then what happens? The sellout. That's when we get to the end. We get to the sellout that Judas is bribed for 30 pieces of silver. What's your selling price? What's your selling price? What would cause you to throw Jesus overboard? What would it take to get you to say, you know what? I can't stand for Jesus anymore. I got to get rid of Jesus. I got to sell him out. I'm going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to listen to Satan, but yet at the same time, that that's what's going on. Listen, if you're not careful, words get twisted, just like that opening joke. It was funny. Uh, but the point of it was, I can tell you that the Cardinals have not lost a game they're undefeated, and the Cubs have not won a game. If you don't know about baseball, there is no baseball. So neither team has played a game. But the words can get you all twisted up. And that's exactly what Satan wants. You'll hear people say things that have a little bit of Bible or maybe sort of sound like the Bible. You need to stay in the Word of God like never before. Memorize a verse. Memorize sections of the Bible so that you can stay focused on God Himself so that you don't get to the spot. Because I don't think anybody starts off saying, I'm going to sell out Jesus. Wasn't Judas's plan? Judas got in for the same reason we did. He loved Jesus. He loved this. But somewhere along the way, his heart began to drift. His head began to drift. And the next thing you know, he's selling out. You know, Kim Jong-un has spent uh, $500,000 on Russian horses. Here's, here he is on one of his horses. I don't care what he spends his money on. He, well, obviously, he doesn't care what I care about. But his people are starving to death by the tens of millions. Can you imagine standing before God one day and, hey, you let all these people starve to death and you spend $500,000 on horses? Wow. I don't care if you have a horse. I don't care. I, I have a dog that's almost the size of a horse, so I, I understand that. But... My question is this, what are you investing in? What are, you, what are we spending our money in? What are we tempted to sell out uh, instead of being faithful in serving God and tithing to the church and supporting our missionaries? And what is it that's causing you to sell out? Because I will tell you, when I was involved in the other world, when I was involved a long time ago, when I was involved in the drinking world, I always found a way to get alcohol. By the same token, if you've decided I'm going to follow Jesus and you've decided you're going to serve Jesus and give to Jesus, you'll figure out a way to do it. Because what we really want to do, we'll find a way 
to do it, good or bad. And I hope today that you'll choose good. I hope that you will not decide, how can I get rid of Jesus? Let me start listening to some other stuff. Maybe Jesus is not true. I just need to get a balanced perspective here. Maybe there's other ways to be saved. And you start down that road, start listening to Satan's voice. It won't be long until you sell out. And it reminds me of the story. They call it the half-hearted kamikaze. Kind of a funny story, right? He had done 50 missions. And they said, wait a minute, how can you do 50 missions? I thought a kamikaze was, you know, one time in, you flew your plane into uh, the uh, U.S. ships and that was it. And the pilot said, well, I was involved, but I was never committed to the plan. I think that's where a lot of Christians are today. And I hope, I hope that if anything comes out of this pandemic, that you'll get past that. That you'll say, no, I want Jesus. I need to accept him. I need to be baptized. I need to follow him. I need to stop this other foolishness. I need to stop trying to sell Jesus out. And I need to grab a hold of everything he is. Father, I thank you for an incredible word. I thank you that your word is true. Every letter, every, every statement is there. Help us not to run away from your word or be afraid of your word, but to hold on tightly. Help us to consider, is there a price? Is there a price that I would sell out? Is it enough drugs? Is it a big, bigger house? Is it, a, is it another man, another woman? Is there a price for my soul? Or am I truly going to be the one that stays with you through it all? Jesus, when you asked that question right before you left, you asked the question, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? I pray that we can answer that in the affirmative. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.